So one, where were you born? Queensland, in a town called Redcliffe. Two, if you could master one skill you don't already have, what would it be? Uh, engineering. Three, what sort of music do you like? Well, I'll, I'll listen to almost everything, anything that gets my foot tapping. Four, if you could take only three items with you on a, to a desert island, what would they be? Power, a PC, and an internet connection. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> what holiday destination do you want to visit next? I would, I would love to go to uh, Antarctica. Six, what book has influenced you most? a book by Anne Rand called Atlas Shrugged. Seven, where did you learn how to code? Ah, well, I started coding when I was about five. Eight, what is your default programming language today? JavaScript. C Sharp is a pretty close second. Nine, what is your job title? Chief Technology Officer. Ten, how long have you been at Redify? Fourteen years. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Khan Raja. This is episode five of Getting to Know Our Redify Consultants. The memory I've got of it was a um, like a, a balloon popping game. So it, was a, it was on a TRS-80. There was lots of different uh, computer stores in, in, in the town. It was a fairly major regional town. And um, when I used to walk or ride home from school, I would kind of make a point at stopping at the computer store every day on the way home. Um, and re- that was really just to go and see what was new on the shelves. You know? Yeah, buy a box of floppy disks or something. Mitch Denny is Redify's Chief Technology Officer. My, my father's a pawnbroker and someone sold him a computer and he didn't really know what to do with it at the, at the shop. And so he brought it home. You know, I started playing with it. Um, so How old were you? Age. About five. Um, wow. yeah, based on my memory. Um, I wouldn't say I was particularly accomplished. I was just uh, <laughs> copying things. <laughs> He's based in Melbourne, passionate about cloud computing, mobility, DevOps, 3D printing, IoT and solving real-world business problems. The command line interface was a programming interface, right? So you could literally start type. In order to actually use the PCs, you had to write code um, to even get it, even something started. Um, so um, it's almost by default. If you touched a PC back then, you were coding. Um, but uh, you know, my first programs were were basic, um, literally, <laughs> and, and figuratively. Um, yeah, they were about the you know ten, you know, print hello, you know, twenty, mm. go to ten, that kind of stuff. <laughs> Today, I gave Mitch a call to talk to him about his first line of code, what he's been up to this past week, and what he enjoys most about working at Redify. Well, so I, I got my first job in IT, my first paying job in IT when I was about uh, 16 or 17, employed by the Department of Education in Queensland. Well, I was a student at, at uh, Caboolture State High School and um, some of the teachers sort of identified that I had a bit of a, a knack with the technology and I think they probably uh, decided it was better to have me working for them rather than against them. <laughs> I, I did a little bit, of, a little bit of uni, but I didn't complete uh, any degrees or anything. And then, uh, and then eventually, I moved down to Melbourne and uh, sort of got started in the contracting and, and consulting game. What was the first thing that that excited you about the internet? Um, so the first time I dialed into the internet, as in establishing a uh, here in, in Australia, so I, I, off the front of a magazine, I got an Aussie Mail installation disk or something. So I dropped that into the computer and installed the, the, the Winsock dialer or whatever it was. And um, 
and then I dialed into that. And, and what I didn't realize at the time, because I was a bit, bit naive, was that, you know, um, STD phone calls cost money, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, the first thing, one of my first experiences of connecting to the internet was my parents uh, being a little bit upset about the uh, huge phone bill they got because I was uh, totally engrossed in a, in a terminal window um, playing online multi-user games. <laughs> Do you mean like command line stuff? But I don't yeah, know. yeah, 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 yeah. Go north, go west, go south. <laughs> and um, and uh, so they're, they're called MUDs or multi-user dungeons or dimensions, depending on how you want to yeah, say it. Yeah. Cool. And that was fascinating stuff. Most people who are listening to this are going to probably want to know about the the journey through Redify. As it happens, when, when I joined Redify, it wasn't called Redify. Um, it was called Monash.net, and um, I came to know of the organisation through a friend online that I'd met called Dan Green. So this was this was uh, in around 2000-2001. I got a very early build of .NET, and back then it was called Next Generation Windows Services. And it was kind of like this small executable you could download. I spent the next... Uh, couple of years fascinated by this new programming language, the C Sharp and, and the runtime. Um, at the time, I was doing uh, programming in a variety of languages, whether it was C, C++, a bit of Perl, a bit of VB, a um, bit of Java. And I, I had this sort of uncomfortable feeling about all of them during the limitations, and I kind of wanted this new uh, concise language. And, and really, C Sharp filled the void, although it was called cool at the time that I first heard about it um, <laughs> and, um, and so I got onto it really early um, and that's how I got really entrenched in the early adopter community around .NET and that's how I met Dan and then um, Dan started working for um, a company called Monash.net who were looking for people who had gotten on early in, into the .NET space and could help others adopt it. Um, when I when I joined the, the business, um, there wasn't really any official titles. I guess nominally I was a consultant, um, but you know everyone who wasn't you know, management was a consultant, um, and there was really only you know literally you could count the number of full time staff working in the business on one hand. Um, and uh, can I ask what was the business doing? Primarily delivering kind of technical readiness training to people, to organizations that were looking to pick up .NET. So there was a huge amount of evangelizing .NET saying, hey, this is the future of development on the on the Microsoft platform. Mm. Um, not, not that we use the word platform, but they often back then. Mm. Um, and, uh, and a little bit of consulting. And then over time, what happened was that uh, you know, we would do lots and lots of training. We develop our own curriculum, um, but eventually, the the dial shifted from training to more consulting. Because what would happen is that clients who you trained sort of realise that you've got some capability, and they want you to um, understand. They they want you to come and help them on their first .NET project. So, mm-hmm. I guess in a, in a way, we help mitigate the risk of a lot of early .NET projects. We, you know, Microsoft asked us to get involved in new projects that they were uh, trying to help customers get off the ground. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, so that's sort of my progression from you know, consultant to, um, I guess, senior consultant. Um, mm. And then we started to get more and more people involved 
in projects. So we're, we're you know, we're, we're having more people on a team. Um, and that's kind of, uh, you know, I sort of stepped into a PC role around then. Mm-hmm. And then eventually you have so many people involved in the project where you kind of start to own the outcome. And so my transition from principal consultant to CTO was actually, um, coming up with, uh, what was our initial dev pod offering. You know, a lot of people in the Metafire spend a lot of time engaging with the technical community. So doing presentations at user groups and technical conferences. Um, you know, Redify's been quite good in terms of allowing me to do that um, and supporting it. Even, um, you know, I've gone and done presentations in various countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I've been to Egypt and um, I've been to Sweden. Uh, sorry, not Sweden, uh, Oslo. It's, uh, it's been an awesome ride. Yeah, you mentioned that you spend some time when you when you can exploring new languages um, patterns. Um, I saw that recently you put together an NPM package. Is there something on your radar at the moment in terms of a particular technique or tool or language that you're wanting to explore? You know, I've, I've been fairly interested in kind of like this intersection of DevOps or, you know, more build and release management, if I'm being honest. Mm. And, um, and IoT. And so I've done some blog posts around that, sort of how how can you actually automatically deploy code from a from your source code repository out to your devices running in the field. But then I've also got other interest in, in things like identity management, like uh, you know what you know how how do you deal with identity in a SaaS application? Right. So I, I guess I'm always playing in a lot of different areas, and I think that's possibly. Um, one of the big parts of my role is is have a fairly um, diverse appetite for for technology. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I I do see the various things you share on your blog. Um, if we if we back up to your experience in presenting um, at various conferences, what's an interesting presentation experience that you've had? I've done lots of presentations at, at things like TechEd and yeah, you know, I always well it's not called TechEd anymore, it's now called Ignite, but um so if I call it TechEd you'll have to forgive me but um <laughs> I remember giving a presentation at um TechEd in Australia and um I can't remember what year it was, but uh they were running kind of a voting poll. Um so they had this like a, a, a presenter competition mm-hmm. and so they had this uh block of time marked out towards the end of the conference where people would stand up and give like micro presentations, like sort of 10, 15 minutes or something like that. Mm. And um, uh, what what would happen is people would send an SMS to a particular number to vote. And uh, my presentation uh, was about how you can use PowerShell to build kind of like a management API for your applications. Mm-hmm. I was really into PowerShell command development at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, what I did is I built a a commandlet which automates the sending of SMS messages to the voting service on stage. Needless <laughs> to say, I won. But <laughs> so that, that, was, that was fun. Um, I kind of like that kind of stuff. But uh, I've, I've presented all kinds of stuff at, at, at uh, conferences, whether it's ALM or I've even done... I remember one presentation I gave was um, on... Uh, this thing called an extender provider, which not a lot of people know about, but in, in Windows forms, um, you can build components that you can drag onto the design surface, which add properties to other components. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this is going back a fair way now, but 
um, you know, I always enjoyed presenting that particular topic because most people had never seen it before or were even aware that these things existed and they were so powerful in what you could do. You could you really boost develop productivity by using them well. How long have you been presenting? I mean, when was the first presentation? When was your first presentation? And how did that what? work? Was that scary? What happened? Oh, it's <laughs> terrifying. So um, I, uh, I didn't give any presentations until about 2001. Um, and... Around the time I got into .NET, I, I met a guy called John Bristow who actually works for um, Telerico. I think they've been acquired now, so I'm not sure whether the company name's changing or not. But um, so, so I met a guy called John Bristow, and he was living here in Melbourne. He was a Canadian that had uh, was living here, and um, we actually met in a in a VB training course, and uh, <laughs> we both agreed that this VB stuff was kind of old hat, and .NET is kind of like the new awesome stuff, and um, and so we started a .NET user group, the Melbourne .NET user group, um, and it was the first kind of dedicated .NET user group in Australia, and one of the first ones around the world. And um, so my first presentation was at the inaugural um, uh, kickoff for uh, for the Melbourne .NET user group, and I remember um, John's employer donated some space to us to do a presentation, and I rocked up, and I had my, my laptop, which is... Um, crusty old Dell machine and I was going to present on how to build a Windows service using the .NET framework which is something I was kind of interested in at the time and um, I walked into this room and, and there was a screen there which is, would have been like a, a 20 inch screen um, and I was going to be presenting code on this thing to a room with maybe uh, 20 people and so that wasn't going to work too well. So I'm, I'm standing there sweating profusely, totally nervous, stuttering the whole time. <laughs> so, um, so that was my start. That's cool. This, this, it's interesting to hear that you started the .NET Music Group in Melbourne. Um, okay, just to back up to some things around, I just wanted to find out if there's something around the dev pod um, capacity at Redify. So, can you tell me more about um, DevPod? So, the, the idea behind a DevPod was really just to uh, have a nominated process that the team used, which was Scrum, and a nominated tool chain which we would use, which was uh, a team system that was on, and use them together to get projects off the ground quickly. Right. We, we very proudly said that we don't do project management. Um, but clients were starting to expect us to take more responsibility. And we didn't just want to say, oh, okay, well, we, we now take responsibility but not have any influence over the way the project ran. And so we, we tried to come up with a way that, um, you know, a, a line that we could draw around a piece of work and, and a, a, a way that we could describe to the client the way that we worked. And that's kind of where DevPod came in. And, you know, DevPod, um, is, I guess it's still a thing uh, in the business, um, but it's kind of, uh, it's actually a bigger part of the business now than it ever was before. Mm. Um, but it's almost just the way that we work. Um, yeah. So if you think about the, the kind of tool chains that the, the managed services team spins up the projects as they're getting off the ground, mm. um, that's kind of, it's got its origins in the original DevPod infrastructure. And, and there were yeah. pros and cons to that as well. I would say that, that Redify operates, if we step back a little bit, I think Redify operates in at least three different ways. 
you know, so Redify is like Delta Force, you know, we're dropped in behind enemy lines, we uh, save the hostages and we shoot, shoot the bad guys. All right, that's, that's one mode of operation. <laughs> yeah. The, the other mode of operation is where the cavalry, right? So um, the, the customer's um, working on a piece of software, they're, they're stuck, they need some help, some technical horsepower, they call us up and we're, we're the cavalry. We come in and help them get it across the line. Mm. And in neither of those cases do we necessarily own the project outcome. Um, the third way of operating is is the kind of like, like um, NASA scientists, right? <laughs> Someone says, I want to put a, a spaceship on the moon, and so they hand over that entire challenge to Redify to do. And really, DevPod um, is about the tool and process around that third category. That does cover it. <laughs> that is a pretty good analogy. Thank you for your time, Mitch. And um, I've really enjoyed it. So I'll, um, no worries, not talking to. Great. All right, speak to you later. Just like bye. Well, there we have it. This has been episode five of getting to know our Redify consultants with Mitch Denny. I'm Khan Raja. Thanks for listening.